Welcome to Undisguided Podcast, brought to you by Maria Dornell, Realtor, helping families open the doors to their dream homes. Hello, I'm your host of Undiscouted, Corey Felton, and today I have a very special guest from TCC in Tallahassee, Coach Matt Hodelson. How you doing, Coach? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on, Corey. Man, not a problem at all, Coach. Um, it's a pleasure to have you. No, it's been, you know, Florida Florida brings me closer to family from some of the other positions I've had. I'm, I'm really excited about the role here and, and being in Florida. So, Coach, before we get started, can you give us some background information about you? Um, yeah, sure. I, uh, you know, a little different background than I think the average college coach. I actually uh, started, cut my teeth in the youth basketball world. And, um, you know, my father had uh, coached youth basketball. I think he ended up coaching a total of about 40 years by the time it was done. Uh, my grandfather was a high school coach uh, in the 50s and 60s, maybe even in the 70s. My grandmother was actually an early coach in girls basketball in Tennessee. Um, didn't do it as long, but, uh, you know, I ended up uh, in the corporate world and uh, it was not, it was not my life. Uh, it was not on my chart of things that I thought would happen in my life. And, um, you know, just went in every day working with youth basketball and uh, working a regular job and, my goal was to help young people from the community I was from, that my sister was from, uh, to achieve a free or reduced education in terms of expenses and uh, maybe open doors for them to get out and see the world. And, you know, back then, you know, that was the big thing. Not as many players left, say, their, uh, the region of the country that they lived in and left athletics was a part of it and uh many many students didn't have the opportunity uh many young women in particular didn't have the opportunities they do today uh you know flash forward and uh corporate world went through a lot of different iterations um and i ended up in a situation where you know i had a choice uh maybe make a change in career path and uh, I thought, well, you know, I'll go into high school coaching. I'm passionate about it. I've invested a lot of my life in it. And I uh, went back and got an education degree. And that was the path I was taking. I helped a friend out for a year after finalizing that degree with a high school program. I was still doing, um, you know, AAU basketball. And, uh, and I started getting phone calls. Uh, people that I knew in the industry had, had, uh, Built relationships with over the years were so you know were interested in my change and career path, and uh, I definitely appreciated it, and and was you know put in a position to have an opportunity to enter into college coaching, and um, that's where I stepped in uh, at Winthrop University back in 2012. Uh, much later in life than most people enter into this profession, uh, I was in my mid 30s. And from there, you know, I, uh, I took a couple of different roles trying to figure out exactly what was right with me, including going back into high school coaching for a little bit and then uh, ended up at St. Francis University in uh, Loretta, Pennsylvania, and coaching with a good friend, Joe Haig. Um, and then this opportunity presented itself. So a little different background, but it, it does mean that I've kind of, I've sat on many sides of this 
of this industry as a, as a, somebody is, you know, trying to help my own sister, you know, achieve her goals and playing college and, um, and then, you know, helping other young women achieve those goals, helping their parents make college decisions, then actually being on the college side and recruiting, um, being in the high school side. And honestly, a conversation going on today, I think nationally is, you know, the role of, of high school coaches, the, the impact of maybe parents and, uh, you know, the both the positive and sometimes negative impact of parents. Um, and, you know, and now, you know, being a head coach in junior college, I, it seems to kind of bring it all together where I'm both recruiting high school athletes as well as helping athletes find their four-year home. So it is a little different background, but I, I think it, it's been helpful. Coach, that is a journey that is well worth it, though. Um, the back and forth between corporate and going through sports, it gives you that idea of, hey, man, I really have a passion for what I do, and I really have a drive for what I do, which is helping young athletes find success through education and sports. So, Coach, I commend you on that journey that you took, and also for you finally landing in the position that you are in as a head coach and able to help athletes at that level. It is, you know, it really is. It's the passion. Um, you know, I, I try to explain it to people. Um, I think, you know, some people have asked me, you know, because it, it is something I live out every day. And, and the direction is get an education, get an education that's worth, that's worth it, that's going to help you get out into society and, and be able to make a living and, and be able to, you know, further your own family's um, economic situation possibly, if not just, you know, individually and the next generation you're going to bring along, you know, the importance of education and the future, uh, in the future and current generations. I, I think COVID is, has really pointed this out as a lot of families are, are dealing with, you know, the debate of how much they're paying for universities and the virtual setting and what's the payoff are you are you pursuing a degree that's going to that's going to financially be beneficial enough to pay off college loans i think it's the you know number one debt for for people you know under the age of 60 right now is is college debt um you know but it is where my origin's from that's because of the people that mentored me uh my father and other high school coaches, honestly, um, that, you know, had invested, you know, a lifelong passion into helping the people within their own school district. And those were the people that I learned from. And, you know, in the corporate world, I was an executive recruiter for attorneys and eventually ran the firm itself, uh, that I worked for and then merged with one of the largest corporations in the world and ended up in a role where I managed, um, I managed a certain vertical, in that field, uh, for 27 different offices across the U S. So, you know, watching the impact that academics had on, you know, on hundreds, if not thousands of people's abilities to get employed and what, you know, what it meant and talking to attorneys who, you know, everybody believes an attorney, you know, is going to make a lot of money, but the truth is the amount of debt they walk out of school with is incredible. So, you know, this is, this is an arena to bring all those, passions and skills together and 
I can talk honestly to players about what, you know, what impact it's going to have on their ability to be hired. And coach over the, over the time frame though, you had the opportunity to coach some top athletes. You also helped train them college and professional levels. How, how is that coach? Like that feeling when you, when you're training and you're preparing kids for both levels, collegiate and professional. Um, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing. I, I think most, I think it is a little bit of a joke I tell, but it is somewhat true. Very lucky throughout my, throughout my basketball coaching career that I had families and players that chose me to play a role in their lives, um, that they trusted me. And, uh, you know, I think trust is a big factor. You, a lot of people can walk into a gym and teach the same skill. A player, their parents, those who are invested in their basketball career have to believe in what you're teaching them and the path you're taking with it. Um, you know, and, and you have to be comfortable as if you're somebody that's going to be, especially skill training or individual training, you have to be comfortable with the fact you don't necessarily you know, bring everything to the table. They often, when you're dealing with professional athletes in particular, you're dealing with athletes who walk in the door, really having a clear picture of what they need to, you know, get more repetitions on or what they need to maybe clean up or, or, you know, they, they, they teach you as much as you teach them. And so again, it's a bond of trust. It's understanding that, that I, you know, in some situations, I I need to understand that they are telling me what they need to do, and I have to be comfortable with that. I also have to be comfortable with that there's certain elements that maybe I'm very good at connecting with them with, and maybe there's another trainer that connects with them on something else. I think at the professional level, many athletes will have multiple trainers, even at the same time, seeking out different skill sets or different interpretations, uh, and you know, so that that is something I'm very proud of that I've had athletes that have trusted me in that role. Um, you know, and that and and you don't, you know, I never wanted to make a profession of that. Really, for me, if I'm going to work one on one with an athlete, I've always been the type that I really would prefer to work with an athlete that really wants me there. Um, so I never really tried to make it into something that was like a side business or anything like that. Um, when it came to training high school athletes and then as a college coach, college athletes, um, there, there's, there's a little bit more of the teaching element and it's, it's teaching basketball. Uh, one of the things in more recent years has been, we have lost a little bit of an understanding of spacing and timing. Um, and even in an individual setting, you can help or a small group setting, you can help an athlete better understand the skills that say my generation learned by playing with our friends, you know, playing a good 50% of the time we played, you know, at the park, just learning what worked, what didn't work today. Many athletes, uh, many basketball players do not, uh, learn in that fashion anymore. They start out in a team atmosphere, which is not bad, but they start out with a team atmosphere, maybe a specific type of offense, a specific type of defense, and they don't necessarily learn the elements of just, you know, two-man basketball, three-man basketball is really what I try to break down for my players today is you have to know how to play 
Uh, you have to know how to play with one other player or two other players and how to keep spacing, create driving lanes, create passing alleys. Um, and so, you know, again, so in individual or small group training, I think at the high school and the collegiate level, uh, that's important. Preparing somebody for professional level or helping somebody who's already professional get better, I think you really focus on what they already do well. At the college and high school level, you're trying to find what they do really well, and you're trying to figure that out together. So, you know, it's an it's an interesting path, and, and I think it's helped, helped me grow as a coach. Coach, I like the way you broke that down, um, the difference in the ways that you develop in comparing the old school way of basketball to the new school way and understanding that sometimes the new school players, they may have forgot how intricate the role were, what they used to do back in the day that should be mushed in with what's going on today in order to help their game. And I look at a lot of kids, if I compare it to the era where 80s, 90s and Jordans and all those, and I look at that and compare it to now, I'm like, Wait a minute. The defense would have been a little tighter. The shot would have been a mm-hmm. little, you know, a little more precise. So just hearing you compare that almost like gives me like confirmation. Well, maybe I'm not wrong sometimes when I'm watching this stuff. <laughs> I'm just a spectator looking at it, but I'm like, man, if that kid would have just moved a little closer in or shot a second faster, he would have had a better opportunity. And coach, one thing that I want to talk about is the recruiting. Um, given that your background is in player development, you also have the opportunity to do recruiting. And the class of 21 is in a particular situation right now because of COVID-19. And it's unforeseen what's going on. Is there any tips you can give the class of 21 um, about recruiting? I think the very first thing, uh, speaking to parents, to players, to those coaches, maybe trainers that, have an impact in these young people's lives is to start with what we talked about at the beginning of this conversation. Make sure your first goal is a free or reduced education. Try to try to focus on that. That that the most competitive level of basketball your daughter or your son can play at isn't defined by division. Say NCAA Division One. There's some incredible teams in NCAA Division One at many different levels. As we all know, that's really you, know, you kind of have your high majors, you have your mid majors, and maybe your sub mid majors. And at all those levels, there are teams, coaches that that do an incredible job. But I think a lot of times we underestimate or do a poor job of of discussing the the incredible coaching going on at Division Two and Division Three, as well as junior college, NAIA. Um, you know, I I believe that if you're if you start out with your goals about creating a path to have a young person graduate without debt, and you start there, and you look at what degree you may be pursuing if, if it's a young person that has a passion about something, maybe they don't, you know, what, what school is going to have the greatest impact on their ability to say further their education to a master's program. Um, and a lot of people may be listening think about what about the professional side? Well, the truth is, is that COVID has shut down so many opportunities to play in Europe. 
and uh, and other places, Central America, you know, uh, Africa, Australia. We we've seen a before COVID, we saw economic impacts in in those countries that reduced the opportunities, and those opportunities are only you know being reduced further right now. And that's where the majority of professional opportunities are here in the United States. You know, the NBA, the G League, the WNBA, we have very limited in, in comparison to the number of athletes out there competing in the youth ages. So start with that. Um, don't get hung up on the name of the school. Don't get hung up on the name of the coach. Get hung up on the fit of your son or your daughter and what their goals are for life, not their goals for basketball, their goals for life. And I think if you start there, now you have a new place, a new, a new marker. Um, and that, and you go from there, I think communication is key. Familiarize yourself with all levels of programs in your region. Recruiting right now, um, if you aren't aware, you know, uh, division one, uh, which is obviously has the largest average operating budget down to, you know, NAI, which often, you know, depending on the level or an NJCA division three, we have much smaller operating budgets. Um, but you know, recruiting is being impacted. Uh, it's being impacted because recruiting budgets are being cut. That's one of the areas that's being hit first. The number of coaches on a staff is being impacted. Uh, there are programs across the country that right now are operating with less than a full staff. Uh, and obviously the recruiting limitations that different levels have set in terms of when they're going to be allowed to recruit. Um, and then throwing COVID, let's say you want to come recruit in the state of Florida and you work for a university that has a policy that does not allow you to travel to Florida right now because of the current COVID rates or Georgia or New York, whatever the state may be, um, it, there's an impact. So you need to communicate. Um, you need to identify. Uh, I, you don't need to rely on another individual as much as identify those programs, go to their website, identify who the coaches are. You don't need to overmarket your child. You need to be specific. Um, you know, are they academically a qualifier? Are they, you know, what are their stats? I think you and I discussed this the other day. That's one. Uh, don't guess at them. Or, you know, really try to do your best to know stats. Saying, saying your son or daughter has a 33% uh, average from three-point range, but not knowing how many they attempted and how many they made, unfortunately, you know, that doesn't help us a lot. 33% you attempted 10 shots or 33% and you attempted 200 shots there's a big difference there uh, as in, from an evaluation factor for coaches that now are having to be more uh, particular about where they're spending that money to travel and watch a player. Uh, watching video is an art form, I think, in recruiting. And right now, um, you know, making sure that the player in your family or in your team has highlight videos, great, you know, for Instagram, Twitter, those things, but really honestly having full game footage, as tough as it may be to take, you know, sometimes I think parents, players, coaches want to provide you with the film where somebody scored, you know, 25 points, 30 points against a team 
that I mean, we're college coaches. We can tell the team you're playing, you know, that you're playing against in that film maybe was not the best team or, or really was not at a level that helped us evaluate you. It would be better to provide, you can still provide that film, but also provide some film against that program that maybe you're aware they already have some commit to division, to whatever divisions you're approaching. And that helps us evaluate. We, we may know who those players are. We may know who those programs are and we can do a better job or we can take greater confidence in our evaluation. Um, again, full game footage. Uh, it's, it's, I, you know, I would advise parents YouTube. I've seen some parents do, and in particular parents do a great job players in some cases, you know, start a YouTube channel, they're free upload game footage, you know, send an email out, you know, maybe introducing their child specifically identifying the program they're contacting, not, not an email that went out to 300 college coaches, but one that says coach Huddleston, you know, very interested in your program. You should probably watch or read something off of our website, have a general idea of our style of play, maybe mention that in the email and then includes a recent game, uh, includes some stats and then, send another email in a couple of weeks when maybe there's a new game or a new highlight. Um, you know, that communication piece is important. Understanding the recruiting rules, 2021, you know, they're in a good spot. They can communicate. There are not a lot of barriers to their communication, but if you are the parent of a 2023, 2024, you need to understand, especially at the division one level, some of the limitations college coaches have for returning those phone calls. Um, but, you know, or emails. Um, but I do believe communication is key. Uh, tweets, I think, draw the attention of your friends, uh, the players' friends, you know, other coaches at that level. Um, they don't always draw the attention of the college coach. Uh, even if they do, there's, there's a greater, you know, the follow-up to that has to be pretty detailed if that coach is not able to watch the player live. So I, I think that's an area. I, th I think that's another area. So start with fit of your child, you know, not division one. And I, I don't mean as, a, as somebody who's coached division one and, and coached at two great programs, had a lot of success when I was the coach in division one. You know, I'm not saying anything bad about division one, but I am saying open, open your horizons. Understand that there are some junior college teams. There are some NAI teams, some division two teams that could go and win some games against some division one programs. Um, and you know, you, you need to value if you basketball, the component, understand there's some great coaches at every level. I'm in a conference with five other coaches, the panhandle conference or four other head coaches in the panhandle conference. All five of us have division one experience. Uh, so you have coaches that know what a division one practice looks like. We know what the intensity is. It is why our conference is so highly regarded by Division One, Division Two coaches as a recruiting pool. But you also need to understand, you know, that's true at the Division Two level. That's true at the Division Three level. That's true at the NAI level. So you know, open your horizons, educate yourself about all the programs in your area, and and communicate. Uh, you know, don't harass. Communicate. Coach, those are all nuggets and gems that I believe these kids need to hear. I, um, I go about a lot and I hear a lot of parents say, well, you know, he has to play D one or she has to play D one. 
Um, that's where everything is at. That's where the most television time, the best coaches, the best opportunities are going to come from D1. But you just hit some key factors on that. Not everyone is able to reach that D1 level, and not everyone is absolutely ready for that D1 level. And even if you are, sometimes you get looked over, and there are still great opportunities at all levels of college basketball. Um, given that you guys playing at conference in the Florida Panhandle, y'all releasing a number of athletes because you're a JUCO to D1 programs. Yes, uh, I was given a stat recently by a group outside of a group that's not college coaches that has a vested interest though in the recruiting cycle and 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 they they said off of their research that currently seventy five percent of all junior college players that go division one on the women's side come out of region eight, which is Florida, and they had another percentage that I, I don't know how accurate it, it is, but fairly high percentage of that 75% came out of the panhandle. I have great respect for all the coaches in Region 8. It is it is a very competitive region. It is all two-year programs in Florida. Um, panhandle games, you know, I, I think that, you know, it can at times, given the year, given who's playing whom, um, draw a lot of attention from Division One, and last year I haven't put together numbers yet, but there there were quite a few. In fact, in some rosters in our in our in our league, I think every starter went Division One. Um, at the same time, uh, you know there were a lot of very a lot of quality players that went Division Two or went NAI last year out of the Panhandle who are going to be impact players where they're going, we had one off of our roster that chose to go NAI um, in a role where she was going to get to pursue the academic path she wanted to pursue, as well as have a key role on the program. And again, uh, free education. So, you know, they, you know, I think that, uh, I think we are highly regarded in division one. I knew about the panhandle when I was a division one coach, but I, I do know also that, you know, throughout our conference and throughout our region, some incredible players are, are coming out every year. And we, you know, I think, I think we all take great pride in that in Florida. So, Coach, you keep hitting on the key points of a free education. I think a lot of athletes forget about that component when they are being athletes. Everyone's not going to go play professional ball, actually a small percentage. But everybody's going to have the opportunity to become professionals in whatever industry they choose by obtaining an education. And I like the fact that you keep saying, hey, you know, use your talent to get you further along in life itself. One day that knee may go out, that arm may go out, but you at least have something that will be everlasting. And that's the education that you will have. Um, a lot of kids, they get confused with well, if I don't hit this major program, if I don't go to this major establishment, I won't do anything major. And like you said, that is the misconception. Understanding what you're doing, where you're going, understanding what college may be great for your degree of study or understanding that, hey, this institution over here might have the perfect opportunity for me to be a role player, star player, uh, in and out player, whatever it takes. However, that establishment is also providing me with a free tuition which is incredible at this time frame and also understanding that 
playing in the Panhandle Division, you're actually playing against some top teams, top competition. And if you were overlooked in high school, this is your opportunity to bring your game to that level where, hey, it's getting you ready for college. They're getting you prepared to, look, to leave college with a degree and also give you the opportunity for people to see that you are that player that you say you are. So, Coach, I admire the fact that you always preach education. And like I told you um, last week, if I had a daughter, she would be in your program because of that. <laughs> well, Corey, you know, it's important. Um, and, and I definitely want to emphasize this. As proud as I am about the role that I played and all those professional players that went on the WNBA, went on to long careers in Europe, I am just as proud of, say, a Jordan Dillard who played for me in youth program for years. Actually, I got to coach her a little bit in high school. She went on to Villanova, had a great career, and probably could have chosen to take a pass to go play in Europe and decided instead to, you know, to, to do a lot of things, including play part in a program where she volunteered uh, as part of a, uh, an effort through basketball um, to go to Rwanda for 14 months and work to help build uh, to build a system and raise money for medical care for people in Rwanda, return to the U.S. only to enter into law school at UGA, which is one of the best law schools in the state of Georgia. Queen Alfred, who actually played on the same high school team with her, played uh, was one year ahead of her, played, in, played for me in youth basketball, went on and served last year in an internship with the Black Caucus in D.C. Uh, I believe she's headed to law school. Taylor Calvert, who played for me at Winthrop University uh, when I was an assistant there and had a great bond with her and her family, went on as in law school in Texas. I've had players go on into medical degrees. I've had players go on into becoming teachers. Alicia Manning, who I still talk to, on probably almost monthly and sometimes weekly basis has gone and become a teacher and a high school coach in Ohio. Um, these people have as great and sometimes a greater impact on the world and society than professional athletes. Um, not to say, I mean, Maya, who, who's had an incredible impact both socially and in other ways, as well as many other professional athletes I've worked with over the years. But I, I never I never want families to get so hung up on the professional piece and only think that's basketball. When you said that, like, I mean, I can sit here for the next 30 minutes <laughs> and keep listing off those former players of mine who I am just as proud of, who I am, and sometimes prouder of what they've done and the sacrifices they've made to enter into different professions. Kayla Lewis walked out of, she was Miss Georgia basketball, started playing for me. I think she's like, we joke about them, like 12 or 13, much like Alicia Gray did. Alicia Gray, you know, would end up going to the WNBA. Kayla Lewis, a few years ahead of her, would make the choice not to enter the draft, instead follow her faith and her passion and move to Detroit. And, you know, her and her husband ended up, you know, start getting into ministry and, and trying to affect, you know, some of the, trying to have an impact on some of the hardest hit areas of Detroit have now moved back to Georgia. And her husband has taken over as minister of a church in Georgia, and she's playing a role in, in that same community. And those people, you know, they were just as capable of being professional athletes 
Um, so sometimes it's that education piece that you realize there's an even greater fit. There's a reason why you play basketball, to become a better leader, to become more disciplined at what you do each day. And while basketball may always remain a passion of your life, that it is what feeds your ability to find and impact in another area of passion. And so I think that's just a really important thing to not lose sight of. And coach, like I said, man, that education piece and you understanding the game and you understanding what role athletes can play just by being in your presence and being able to develop them and guide them. Um, man, that just speaks presence on your, on your potential and also on you as a coach. I appreciate it. One last thought, you know, as we get to wrapping this up and one simple way, I think that I've tried to help parents and players. One thought to always keep in your head is we always, we, the, the thing we all get worked about is who's starting a game, you know, but at the end of that game, it never mattered who started the game. It mattered who finished the game. And that's life, too. It's not always how you start it. It's how you finish it. And so while you're making these decisions, remember it's how it's going to finish. It's all about how your child's going to finish. It's not about how your child's going to start. And so when you're talking to these coaches and they're telling you the role they're going to play on the team and all these things, like your, your main concern should be, but you know, does that coach have a vision for how my child's going to finish, how they're going to finish college, how they're going to move on in life and how they're going to, how they're going to be successful in life. So, you know, just really try to keep that in mind, teach that to your child. Even if they start every basketball game they ever play in, always make it more important about how they, whether or not they were played a part in finishing that game and whether or not they played a part in finishing the other things that they do in life and that you'll have a greater impact. Coach, on that note, man, I want to say thank you on behalf of Underscouted. We appreciate you in this interview today. Congratulations on being a coach in Tallahassee, going into your second season. And, man, we wish you much success. Thank you, Corey, and good luck with everything you're doing. And reach out to me if you ever need anything. Yes, sir. We would like to give a thank you to our sponsors, Magaya Watches, Keep It Time in Sports, and Maria Adorno, realtor of La Rosa Realty, helping families open doors to their dream homes.